The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, if you have your Bible, uh, open it up to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at New Song Church. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. Whether you're visiting family or you're just visiting our church for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. We hope you feel at home. And if you are visiting this church for the first time, maybe you're looking for a church home, we just want you to know we would love to be your church home. We would love for you to be a part of our family here at New Song Church. So uh, please do come by and, and stop by and say hi to me after the service. I'll be out in the lobby. I've got a gift for you. I want to give you that gift. So come by, say hi to me. Uh, and, and let's talk a little bit, all right? All right, we're in a series right now called Fixing Our Eyes. And we have been talking for the last couple weeks about seeing things from a spiritual perspective. Uh, we talked in the first week of the series about how we're born into a physical, natural world, and we experience this world through our five physical senses. Uh, and that sometimes we get so caught up in our senses and in the way things, we see things physically that we miss out on what God wants to do for us spiritually. And that what we need to do is, is train ourselves to, to see into the spiritual and believe spiritually for some of the things God wants to do. Because here's what God wants to do. He wants to bring spiritual realities into the physical realm. But we have to believe him for those things. And, and so that's what we talked about last week, if you were here. We talked about faith in the real Jesus. So we looked at faith, what faith is. We really dove into that. And then we looked at Jesus and talked about the real Jesus. Because uh, I, I find very often in the world that we live in today that people have an idea of Jesus, but it's not always really who Jesus is. We, we have this picture of Jesus. We have this idea of Jesus. Most people, here's where it ends with them. It ends at salvation. We want Jesus to save us from hell, but that's kind of where it ends. What we don't realize is that the cross is a completed work. And when I say it's a complete work, here's what I mean by that. It doesn't just, it's not just that it's a finished work, it's that it completely touches you in every area of your life. Spirit, soul, and body. God wants to touch you and minister to you and bring life to you in any need that you may have. So in order for us to receive that, though, we have to have faith. In order, in order to have faith, we have to know who Jesus is, really understand who he is, okay? Today, I want to talk to you about uh, fixing our eyes on the past. Fixing our eyes on the past. If you're taking notes, that's the title of my message. And I want to talk to you today about how to move past your past, whether your past is, you know, really ugly, really broken, you know, maybe you're an OSU fan, you don't have much of a past history, <laughs> or maybe, maybe you're an OU fan, you've had some glory, but it's been a long time, <laughs> wherever you may find yourself today. But no, really, in, like maybe you find yourself, you've got some mistakes from your past that you're kind of held up in, or maybe you've got some glories from your past. Maybe you find yourself here today and you're, you feel like your best years are behind you. I want you to know God's not done. Turn to the person beside you and say, God's not done. And I believe that your best days are your next days. And so let's, let's look at this today, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, and, and as you're turning there or, or clicking over there, um, let me kind of set this up for you. And, and if you don't have a Bible or a device to look on, we'll have all the verses up here on the screen so you can follow along with me. Uh, this was a letter that was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, to a church in ancient Greece called Philippi. The church was the Philippians church. And so at the beginning of this, this letter, Paul writes and he talks to them about all these accolades, all this great stuff that he's done. And he's kind of making a case for why, 
why he's qualified and, and, and what makes him, what sets him apart as being like a really great guy. But then he kind of takes this turn where, he's, where he, he says, he looks at all that stuff, he, he compares all that stuff, and he says that it, it really amounts to nothing. In fact, he says that, that he uses a word, in fact, it's a Greek word uh, called uh, skubalon, and that word, that Greek word skubalon means like, it's like dung, but it's like a worse way of saying that. It was almost like a cuss word in those days. And Paul used this strong word because he really wanted to get a point across to these people that his life before Jesus, everything he's accomplished before Jesus amounts to nothing, okay? So Philippians chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 12. With that in mind, it says this, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. In other words, he's saying, I haven't arrived yet. Anybody in here arrived yet? No, we haven't arrived. We're still going. He says, but I press on. Everybody say, press on. Press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. thing. Forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on, there it is again, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, we're going to focus in on these few verses here this morning Because I think if we really break this down and look at this, we can understand how we can move past our past into the future that God has for us. Whether your past is is ugly and dark and and messed up or your past is like your past glory, I believe God has better days ahead of you. So if you're taking notes this morning, here's my first point. I got two points for you this morning. Here's the first one. Number one, press on. If you're taking notes, write that down. Press on. Two times Paul says to press on, press on. Now, When he says press on, um, the Greek word that he uses there helps us understand what he's saying. Now, let me just say something real quick in case you're new to church or newer to the things of God. Uh, The Bible is written in two languages. The Old Testament is in Hebrew and the New Testament is in Greek. And when you study some of the words in the original languages they were in, it helps us have greater insight into what the Bible, what these guys that originally wrote this stuff were trying to get across. Sometimes our English words don't really help us see it the right way. But if we look at the original Greek words, we can get a better understanding. And this is one of those words. He says, I press on. That word press on means this. It means to move rapidly. In other words, move fast and decisively toward an objective to hasten, to run, to chase. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I have a goal in mind. I have something that I'm pursuing. I have something that I'm going after. And I'm relentlessly going to keep going after it until I get it. I'm pressing on. I'm going after something. Now, something you need to understand as we look at this this morning. When Paul wrote this, he was not like sitting in a five-star you know, hotel, pinning this letter, having a really great day. Uh, Paul was not sitting on some really nice beach somewhere you know, having this moment with God. He, he wasn't even in his home. Paul wrote this, this letter while sitting in a dark, damp prison cell. And history tells us that he would have been chained in this prison cell by his hands and his feet, either to the ground, to a wall, or to a, uh, a guard that was making sure that he did not escape. So think about it. This is really ironic. Paul is writing this letter to these people in this Philippians church. And he's telling them, I want you to keep moving forward. I want you to keep pressing on. I want you to keep taking ground. And he literally cannot move from where he is. And yet he's telling them, keep going. He can't go hang out with his buddies. He can't call, you know, for for takeout to be brought into him. 
He, he doesn't have the ability. If, if, they, if he's not given permission, he cannot move from where he is. And we see something powerful in what Paul is saying here. And here's what it is. No matter where you find yourself, you can still move it with faith when God tells you to go. That's what Paul is, is doing. And, and we know this from, from the life of Paul that even though he's in prison, even though he finds himself stuck in this place, he doesn't stay stuck. Even though he's in prison, he doesn't allow prison to get into him. He keeps pressing on. What does he do? He, he ministers to, to the other prisoners that are in that prison. He ministers to the guards that are in that prison. He writes these letters, like the letter that we're reading that is canonized in Scripture. He does this kind of stuff. He keeps pressing on. And here's the big powerful truth that you can learn from this. Don't stop when you feel stuck. Maybe you're here today and you feel stuck. You feel like you've reached a point in your life where you're just kind of, you're just stuck in whatever it is that you're in and you can't really move. You can't really move forward. I want you to know, don't stop when you feel stuck. Winston Churchill has this famous quote. I love this quote. He says, if you're going through hell, keep going, right? If you find yourself today in a mess, don't settle for that. Don't stop there. Don't stop in hell. If you find yourself today going, man, I am just going through hell on earth right now. Don't settle for that. Press on. Keep moving forward. God has something greater for you, but you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep pressing on so you can move past it. You say, well, Pastor Josh, what if it's my fault though? I find myself in a mess, but it's my fault. I, I kind of put myself in this mess. I've made mistakes. I've done stupid stuff. I've, I, I, and, and so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of having to reap what I sow right now, and this is just my problem, and I can't really have a great relationship with God because I've messed this up, and I can't really fulfill the things that maybe God at one point had for me. I can't do that. Listen, if that's you today, if you find yourself in a place where you're sitting here today going, I can't fulfill the dream that God had for me. I can't really have a relationship with God. Even though he wants that with me, I, I can't really have that. If you find yourself there today, let me just tell you, that the season that we're getting ready to move into, this Christmas season, is all about mistakes. You made mistakes, well, we're moving into a season that's all about those mistakes. I mean, really think about it. Let's rewind a little bit, okay? You guys remember Adam and Eve? Remember those guys? First people ever created by God, right? He creates them, puts them in this, in this garden. They're perfect people. They have a perfect relationship with God in a perfect place. And what do they do? They make a big mistake, they mess up. They disobey God. And when they do this, there is a separation that takes place between them and God. And now they can no longer have a relationship with God because God is perfect and now they are no longer perfect. So what does God do? He looks down and he sees these people that he loves, his children that he wants to have a relationship with that are separated from him. So what does he do? He sends his son Jesus to come to this earth to wrap himself in skin, become a man, and die on the cross for our sins. And so Jesus comes and we celebrate Christmas because Jesus was born, right? We celebrate Christmas because of mistakes. Jesus came to fix the mistakes. And let's just own it today. We all make mistakes, right? In fact, turn to the person beside you and say, you mess up. We make mistakes. We mess up. We fall short. Call it whatever you want to call it, but we all mess up. In fact, the Bible says this in James 3, 2. You guys are excited about telling each other you mess up. <laughs> James 3, 2 said, indeed, we all make mistakes. We do. We all mess up from time to time. How many of you can honestly say, show of hands, in the, in the past couple months, you have said something that you wish you could take back? My hand is raised, right? How many of you in the past couple months could say you made a decision that you wish you would not have made? Maybe you got angry, you know, you're going down the road and you waved at somebody with less than five fingers. 
Don't raise your hand to that one. But we do. We mess up. We make mistakes. The, pro, the, the question is not, are you making mistakes? The question is, what are you doing with your mistakes? Because the thing I see far too often is people, Christians, will make these mistakes and they, and they allow these mistakes to become their, their identity. And what we do is we, we have this mistake in our life. And we imagine it's like a big stone, right? This big stone of a mistake that you've made. And what do we do? We, we kind of, we squat down beside it. We build a little campfire with it. We throw a chain around it and chain ourselves to it. And we just kind of say, this is my mistake. I'm going to live here with this little mistake. Come on, come hang out with me in my mistake. I can't get past this. I'm stuck to it. I can't move. Paul says, press on. He says, we got to press on. Your mistake is not your identity. Listen, you're a child of God. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, God does not identify you by your sins, by your mistakes. He identifies you as a child of God. So press on. Take the chains off that mistake. Quit camping out with it, hanging out with it, and let's move on together. Let's press on. So that's the first thing. We've got to press on. Here's the second thing you need to do. Take a note. Write this down. Forget it. Forget it. Look at what verse 13 says again. It says, brethren, this is Paul talking, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting. Everybody say forgetting. Forgetting Forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Okay, so Paul says here that something that he has to do is he has to continue to forget. This is one thing that he does. So the question is, what is it that Paul is needing to forget? Because the, the, con, the context of this verse, you, you kind of read it, you kind of think, he is having to, on a regular basis, forget something from his past. What is that thing he's having to forget? Well, let me, let me help you understand. Okay, before Paul was Paul, he was a guy named Saul. Before Paul came to know Jesus, he was Saul. And Saul was a bad dude. Uh, Saul was very much against the gospel of Jesus Christ. He hated the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he fought to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ from being spread across uh, the, the landscape of the day. And one of the things that, that, that Saul did in Acts 6 and 7, you can read about this, there was this guy named Stephen. And Stephen was this like up-and-coming preacher of the day. In fact, it says this about Stephen. It says he was filled with wisdom. He spoke with conviction. He performed amazing miracles, and he was powerfully anointed. So Stephen was like this up-and-coming minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he was, he was like powerful and grabbing people's attention. And this group of, of people called the Sanhedrin, who were these uh, religious elite, did not like Stephen because they felt like he was coming against their, their religion. So they, they came up with these accusations that they brought against him, these charges, and, and they were false accusations. They, they said that he did things and said things that he didn't do and didn't say. And so Stephen is brought before this, this trial with the Sanhedrin, and they bring all these accusations against him, and then they say, you know, defend yourself. They, they give him the opportunity to speak something. So Stephen has an opportunity here to, to get up and defend himself, and, but he doesn't do that. He, he uses this opportunity in front of this group of people to share the gospel. And so he goes all the way back to the New Testament, or to the Old Testament, and runs the gamut all the way through the New Testament, and he is bold, like he is calling these guys out, being very bold with what he's saying, and it infuriates them. Look at this. We'll pick up in Acts 7, verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. 
And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. So something miraculous takes place. As these men are angry and and throwing accusations against him, uh, Stephen is allowed to see into the Spirit. And he's, he's allowed to see into heaven. And he sees up into the heaven. He sees God. It says this. It says, and he saw Jesus standing. Notice that word standing in the place of of honor at God's right hand. Now, this is really interesting because in Romans and in Hebrews, it talks about how after Jesus was raised from the dead, that he went to heaven and he now sits at the right hand of God. But he sees Jesus standing. Jesus has stood up in this moment. As Stephen is facing this trial and facing it boldly, Jesus has stood up as a sign of applause, as a sign of a standing ovation to what he's seeing in one of his, his disciples here on this earth. Look what it goes on to say, verse 56. And he told them, this is Stephen talking, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor in God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Now look at what it says next and, and hold on to this, okay? His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul is Paul before he became Paul, he saw. Remember that. As they stoned him, this is unbelievable to me. As he's being stoned, as, as stones are hitting this man, ripping his flesh, crushing his bones, look at what he says. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. The next verse Acts 8, verse 1. Look at what it says here. Saul approved the stoning of Stephen. That's Paul. It's talking about there. Paul. Now, what I want you to see is beyond him approving of this, uh, Saul, or Paul, actually was responsible for this. In John chapter 8, there's a story. You may have heard of this story before, where this woman is brought before Jesus who's been caught in adultery. And this religious elite group of men bring this woman to him and they say, Jesus, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. In other words, they caught her sleeping with another man. And they said, the the law says that she should be stoned. What say you? And what they're trying to do is they're they're trying to kind of catch Jesus and, and trap him in something, which, listen, is just never a good idea with the Son of God, just so you know. And so you, you probably, if you've heard this story, you know what Jesus says next. He's, he's down, he's riding on the ground in the dirt. And he says, let him who's without sin cast the first stone, right? Now the first stone was very significant in scripture. Uh, when you were brought uh, up for charges, like if you had a capital crime, kind of capital punishment crime that you had committed where you could be killed, Here's how it would work back in the day. They would bring you into this trial and the person who made the accusation against you would bring you forward and then you would have this trial and then when it was over, if you were sentenced, if they found you guilty of it, the person who brought the accusation against you would pick up a stone and they would cast the first stone. And then they would stand back and they would not throw another stone. Everybody else who was there would then begin to take off their outer robes, their cloaks, And they would take them and they would lay them at the feet of the person who cast the first stone, the person who brought the accusation. They took off these robes so that they had a better range 
of motion with their throwing. And then they would stone that person to death. Now go back to, to Acts 7 verse 58. It says, his accusers, talking about Stephen's accusers, took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Paul. Here's what that means. Saul was the one who brought the accusations against Stephen, which, by the way, were false. They were lies. Saul was the one, after he was found guilty, who threw the first stone at him. That's why they laid their cloaks at his feet. Saul was responsible for the death of Stephen. His blood was on his hands. And this is what Saul had to forget about. See, Saul, before he was Paul, he was a bad guy. He, he, he worked with everything he had to try to stop the early church. And he oppressed the new believers of the early church and had many killed. And was a part of many horrible things that took place. And then he has this encounter on the road to Damascus, just, just two chapters after this. He's on his way to Damascus and Jesus shows up. And he has this encounter with Jesus and it changes everything. And Saul becomes Paul, and he becomes a, a huge integral part of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ going into the world as we know it today. He becomes a, a big part of the early church being born. He writes two-thirds of the theology of the New Testament that we read. He becomes the greatest apostle who ever lived. But before he became all that, Paul was Saul. Saul had a past, and Saul had to learn to forget about his past. That's what he had to daily probably get up and say, God, I forget about those things that I've done in the past. I've done horrible things. I've been responsible for killing messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I forget about that and I press on. And listen, if he hadn't made that decision to do that, he would have never become the Paul that we know today. And there's some of you here today that you have attached yourself to your past and you are chained to it, you're chained to your past mistakes, and you keep holding on to them, and God has something greater for you. God has something he wants to do in your life, but you will not step into it until you choose to forget about it and press on into the high calling of Christ Jesus. You have to make that decision. Look at this, Luke 9 verse 62 says this, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. This is one of those verses that you read it sometimes you're kind of like, don't exactly know what that means. Well, let me, let me try to explain it to you. Uh, my dad taught me about this verse years ago. Uh, my dad grew up as a farmer in West Texas. Uh, his, his dad was a farmer, and so when he was a kid, he was always farming. And one of the things that he would do is he would plow these fields for my grandpa. And, and he was saying, when you're plowing, plowing is super important to, to the harvest coming forth like it's supposed to come. Because when you plow, you turn over the ground, you get oxygen into the, into the soil. Uh, you also knock down the weeds that can choke out the harvest. But you also make these treads within the, the field that allow irrigation to take place properly so that all of the plants can get water the way they're supposed to. But in order for that to take place, you have to plow that field in straight lines the way it's supposed to be plowed. So uh, if you've ever been to West Texas, anybody from West Texas in here today? Okay, if you've been to West Texas, you know this, it is flat, right? And there is not hardly anything on the horizon. There are no trees, there are no major mountains, landmarks, there's a couple of windmills and that's about it. Uh, but my dad was saying that when he would plow these fields, he would have to find something that he would fix his eyes on that he could keep looking at that would help him to make sure he was keeping the lines straight, 
In order for him to plow properly, he had to keep his eyes fixed on that object. Now, he said he would look back every once in a while to make sure that, you know, the equipment was operating the way it was supposed to, that there was nothing broken, or, but, but it would just be a glance. He had to stay fixed on the object in front of him because if he didn't, the lines would get off and the harvest would not come forth the way it was supposed to. Here's what I want you to see this morning. God wants us to quit looking back at our past. Quit focusing on your past because, listen, if you're focused on your past, you're not going to be running the straight line God's called you to. And you're going to miss out on the harvest that God has called you to be a part of. You're going to miss out on it. So we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on who he is and what he wants to do. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I, I look, I, you, you find yourself looking back at your past and you're just, you wish you could change things. You wish you could have done it differently. You wish you could go back and, and fix some of those things. Or you wish you could relive those glory days that you once had. Once you know that's not what Jesus has called you to. Jesus has called you to not focus on your past, but to focus on your future with him, to fix your eyes on him, to forget about the past, and to press on towards the high calling. You need to forget about it. We have a saying here at New Song Church that I I tell our team all the time, our best days are our next days. The best days of your life are the days ahead of you. And I don't care what your situation is today. I don't care what your past looks like. Your best days are your next days. I don't care if you find yourself in here today and you feel like you are past your prime, you're you're past the glory years. Listen, our best days are our next days in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here today and 2017 was the worst year of your life. Hear me, our best days are our next days in Christ Jesus. Quit focusing on the past Let's focus in on what Jesus wants to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself going, I I just don't know if God can use me. I don't know, I've done so many. You don't know my story, Josh. You don't know all the mistakes that I've made. You don't know the the things that I've done. I've done some horrible things. Listen, I, I, I get it. I may not understand what you've done, but hear me. God can still use you. And here's how I know it, okay? I'm gonna give you something earth shattering this morning, all right? If you're taking notes, get ready to write something down. This is something you need to understand, okay? If you're not dead, God's not done. Do you believe that this morning? Look at the person beside you and check and see if they're dead. If they're not dead, well, if they are dead, you might want to let an usher know. Um, But if they're not dead, look at them and say, God ain't done with you. God's not done with you. God has big plans in store for you. If you're not dead, God's not done. So what do we do? We forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about the past and press on towards the future that God has for you. Now, why can we do that? I've talked about what you're called to do, but let me tell you why you can do that, why you have the ability to be able to forget about the past and press on because of what Jesus has done. If you have a Bible, go to Isaiah chapter one. I want you to see this with me this morning. Highlight this, mark this down, look at this with me. Remember this verse. When the enemy comes against you and reminds you of your past, I want you to look at this with me. Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Okay, so, so God's talking to you and he wants to settle something with you. Now, before we can talk about what God wants to settle with you, let's look at the context of what he's saying here because w- when you study this verse, you learn that the first phrase here of how God says this, when he says, come now, he says it in a very bold, very upfront, very forward way. It's kind of like this. I've got three kids, right? And there are times in my life when I need to get my kids' attention. So I will call them over to me. I'll say, hey, you know, Bo or Sonny or Gus, 
Come here, let me tell you something. I'll call them over to me. There are other times that I want to get their attention in a stronger way. <laughs> For example, if I see them crossing the street and they don't look both ways, I'm going to call them to me. I'm going to say, hey, come here. Get over here right now, Logan. Look at me. Look at me in the eyes, Logan. I don't ever want to see you crossing the street without looking both ways. You got it? Say yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> now, am I mad at Logan? No. But I'm, I'm, I want him to get an urgent truth. Because here's the thing. If he doesn't get this, he could be hurt by this. He will be hurt by this. This is what God is, how God is saying this. He's saying, hey, come here. Let's settle this. I need you to understand something. Because if you don't understand it, you're going to get hurt by something. What is it? He says, let's settle this. Now, when he says settle this, here's what he's saying. He wants to settle an argument in a court of law determining what is right. Hold on to that. We'll come back to that. And then he says this, though your sins are like scarlet. Now listen, that's God's way of saying that your sins are bad, that your sins are, are ugly. And I'm not trying to say to you today that your sins are okay, because they're not. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Sin has a price tag attached to it, and that price tag is death and damnation. I'm not saying that sin's okay. And neither is God. But look at what he says here. Though your sins were like scarlet, though they're ugly, though they're really bad, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Okay, so let's look at this based on this idea here of settling a case here. Okay, so I want to do a little, a little exercise in imagination. You guys down for that this morning? I want you to imagine something with me, okay? I want you to imagine that uh, you are on trial. And your uh, defense attorney is Jesus, and your, uh, your prosecutor is Satan, who the Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren, and that the judge is Almighty God. Okay, so you're on trial, and you're standing up on the little trial thingy, booth. What's that thing called? Stand? There you go, stand. Yeah. Standing on the stand, sitting on the stand. What's that all about? <laughs> You're sitting on the stand, and Satan gets up, and he begins to start making accusations. And he begins to start mentioning all of the sins of your past. Everything. Every embarrassing, ugly, dirty, rotten, no good thing you've ever done. Things that you remember, things that you don't remember. He is bringing them up, and he is making a case against you. With all your past sins... He's calling into question your motives. He's talking about some of the present mistakes that you've made. And he's speculating and slandering against you. And he's going on and on and on and on. And listen, I, I, you need to hear something this morning. That's what Satan does. He's the accuser of the brethren. He, he wants to remind you of your past. He wants to keep you in your past. Because if he can keep you in your past, he can keep you from the future that God has for you. So he's going to keep reminding you. He's going to keep saying, hey, chain yourself to that past mistake. So he's saying all this stuff, and you're hearing all this. And you're starting to lose hope. And here's why. Because he's not making this stuff up. You really have done all this stuff. You really have done all these sins. And you know, based on the law, the word of God, that you deserve a punishment for these sins for these mistakes. And it's a bad punishment. 
And so you find yourself just losing hope and he just keeps going on and on for hours, slandering you and accusing you, making these judgments against you. And then finally, he says, he rests his case. And he goes and he sits down with a big smile on his face. And then Jesus stands up. Jesus goes before his father. And he stands before his father, the judge. And let me just remind you that he stands before his father with a lifetime of perfect, confirmed, documented human righteousness to his name. And he stands before the judge and he says, I would like to bring some new evidence before the court. And he steps back and he lifts up the sleeves of his shirt and he shows the scars in his wrists. And he lifts up the pant legs and takes off his shoes and shows the scars in his feet. And he lifts up his shirt and shows the giant scar on his side. And he pulls back his hair and shows the scars across his head and on his back. He says, Father, I ask that you would dismiss the charges against this brother or sister of mine. Because listen, if you're a child of God, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are a brother or sister of Christ Jesus. He says, these sins have been paid for. Let, let them go. And God looks at Jesus, and then he looks at Satan, and then he looks at you. And he says, case dismissed. Though your sins were like scarlet, my son Jesus has made you as white as snow. You are free to go. Look at this with me, Romans 8, 33 and 34. Who dares accuse us? Who dares accuse us? Whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Look at this. No one. Everybody say no one. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. He is your defense attorney who sits at the right hand of Jesus and pleads your case against all the accusations that Satan makes against you. Can I get an amen? Amen. So listen, God doesn't condemn you. Jesus doesn't condemn you. Satan, while he may try to condemn you, he can't. He has no right to. If you're a child of God, he has no, no condemnation he can bring against you. You've been forgiven. And listen, if you find yourself here today and and you're doing really good and you've been following God, but yet Satan keeps reminding you of things that happened two and three years ago, listen, he's running out of new material. So quit paying attention to that junk. Move on. God doesn't condemn you. Jesus doesn't condemn you. Satan can't condemn you. So hear me. Stop condemning yourself. Write that down. Stop condemning yourself. You've been forgiven. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than your mistakes. You're a child of God. Press on. Forget about it. Case dismissed. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? If you're new to church, if you're new to the things of God, let me say it this way. Um, what, what are you thinking right now? Because that's how God talks to us. We believe here at New Song Church what the Bible says. It says that 
that God's sheep hear his voice. We're sheep and we can hear the voice of God. He speaks to us. And most of the time when he speaks to us, it's not a booming voice from heaven. It's an inner voice. And we normally hear it in our minds. So what are you thinking right now? And I know there's some of you in here today and here's what you're thinking. You're thinking about some stuff from your past. And here's what God's saying. Forget about it. Forget about it. It's over. It's done. It's been taken care of. Forget about it and press on. Jesus loves you. And he made a way. He made a way so that you could have a relationship with God. Listen, this is not about a religion. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could have a religion. He died on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him. We say that new song all the time. We want to help people know God. Not know about God, not learn about God, know Him. You can know God. You can have a relationship with God where He leads you and guides you and directs you. God wants that for you. And you can have it. And God has great plans for you. I believe in 2018, God wants to do some powerful things through this church and through many of you in here. But in order for you to get there, you're gonna have to unchain yourself from your past. You're gonna have to forget about it and you're gonna have to press on with your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, where you are today, if you're sitting there right now, to just take a moment, just between you and God, that thing that maybe you're, you're being reminded of from your past, that the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind this morning, that you keep coming back to, make a choice today, I'm going to forget about it. In fact, just pray a little prayer right there, just between you and God. Say, God, I choose to forget about it. I choose to forget about my past mistakes. I choose to forget about those past sins that I've participated in. I choose to forget about the things that I've done that were wrong, the people I've hurt. I choose to forget about it. And I'm going to press on. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us and helping us to follow after you and pursue you with all of our strength and all of our might. Lord, help us to be focused on you. In Jesus' name. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. If you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, we would love to pray for you today. Maybe you're here today and you have never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You've never really fully committed yourself to Jesus Christ. Uh, we believe at New Song Church that, that making Jesus your, your Lord is, is critical to following God. That, that Jesus doesn't just want to be your Savior. And that actually he can't just be your savior. He wants to be the Lord of your life. And a byproduct of him being the Lord of your life is he becomes your savior. But the Lord of your life means you're gonna do things his way. It's not your will, it's his will. You're gonna do what he's asking you to do. You're gonna follow after him. This life is not about what you wanna do, it's about what God wants to do. But here's the good news, here's the great thing about that. The best life you could dream of is the life God has planned for you. And if you'll follow him, and give your life to him, you will step into the greatest story, the greatest version of your life you could ever experience. But it starts with you saying, God, I surrender. I give my life over to you. I give you lordship. And I thank you because you're the Lord. You're my savior. That's you today. And you'd like to make that decision. We would love to pray with you. We got people up here this morning. They'd love to join their faith with yours and help you to become a child of God. The Bible says that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that you're born again. Uh, it's not that you're gonna become a little infant baby here in a moment. It's that your spirit inside of you is born again. You get a new spirit. And all the sin of the past, all the mess ups of the past, it's all washed away and you're made new. Isn't that good news? You can receive that this morning. 
maybe you're here today and you're dealing with just some tough stuff. Maybe you're facing some stuff and you, maybe you're dealing with sickness in your body. I, I love this time of service. This is such an important time of service. We hear testimonies at New Song all the time of people who come forward and they receive healing in this moment. People who have been healed of cancer, people who have been healed of heart problems, people who have, who have come forward and confessed an issue that they're dealing with and they find freedom. God wants to minister to you right now. And if you're here today and you come in here with any kind of burden, be it big or small, this is your moment. So here in just a moment, we're going to go into a song. And if that's you today, I want to invite you, if you have any need, any burden that you brought in today, to come forward and pray with one of my brothers and sisters up here. Would you stand with me right now? At any time, you can go ahead and feel free to come up. But if you're here today and you, you don't have necessarily a burden you need prayer for, but you just want to, to just kind of seal this word, I want to encourage you. We're going to go back into a song to just take a moment here and just worship God. Just thank Him for His goodness. It's because of Him that we can stand before a perfect God and our sins can be forgiven and we can be made whole and new. That we can forget about our past and we can press on. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We're grateful for what you've done. Thank you for those scars that represent our freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for your beautiful scars and what you've done for us, Lord. And we thank you that 2018 and December this year and, and from this moment forward, from this day, God, we believe our best days are our next days with you. Um, I thank you, Lord, that you draw all people to the altars who need prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.